Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 2. We're going to continue our series on James and uh, talking to Pastor uh, Robert Miller and he did just a great job. You know, I gave him the scripture portion that I was working on and he just did such a great job with it. So I thank him for ministering to us while I was gone. Amen. So turn with me to James chapter 2 verses 14 through 26. Uh, James four, uh, 2 verse 14 to 26. It says, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well. Keep warm and well fed. But does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But some, someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Man, this is harsh. You foolish man. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Man, that's just some powerful, like I said, James does not mince words at all. He just gives it to us the way it is. And actually this portion of scripture, I know I preached about this a few months back, and that's the portion of scripture that really... uh, got me thinking about doing a whole series on James and this is the portion of scripture that I that I I latched on to and so as we continue the series I was thinking about you know James always pushes for reality and you think about reality how many I mean reality tv has taken over our lives it really has taken over maybe not our lives in the church but I was thinking, when did it all begin? And so I was just looking it up. The first reality TV show actually started in 1983, but it really never picked up. But then it exploded like in the late 90s and the early 2000s, 1900s, late, late, I mean, early 2000s with Survivor, Amazing Race, and what was another one that was there? Some Big Brother or something. That's when it really caught on and it's kind of amazing that people are so caught up with reality TV and we know stars have been made 
we have made people superstars because of reality TV. And the truth is this, you add real in front of something and everybody gets interested in it. You buy a real leather couch versus a fake leather couch or whatever. You put real in front of everything, real coffee, real, you know, whatever. And people are automatically uh, attracted to that. And I think it's more than just entertainment, really. Because I think it points to a deeper fact that people are looking for something real because they're fed up of fake. And I'm thinking more, more than just entertainment right now. Because people want real stuff. And this morning I want to focus on what James talks about when he talks about real faith. Real faith. Faith. The real thing. What is it about? Because there are a lot of religions of fake religions and Christian sects as they call it right now. And there are a lot of people who say and call themselves are Christians or believers and genuinely think that they are Christians too, but in all honesty, I mean, all honesty, they aren't really Christians. And this passage actually is quite interesting because James, the way James puts this uh, whole idea of works or deeds is uh, we really shouldn't get uh, confused about this at all because James is looking at it from a very different perspective than Paul when Paul talks about faith and works and uh, we need to get this understanding right because James is not saying that if you do good works then you will get to heaven that's not what James is saying at all James is like I said very different from Paul and the New Testament makes it absolutely clear that we are saved by faith okay not by deeds but we are saved by faith and actually we know the phrase by grace through faith we are saved right It's by grace and through faith that we are saved. And James, again, is not talking about just faith here or just works. He's combining the two. And like I said, it's different from Paul's understanding, uh, Paul's understanding of works as such. Too different because Paul is arguing against legalism when he talks about works or deeds. He's talking about the problem where these people emphasize keeping the Jewish law and the Jewish regulations and doing their own thing so that they can become Christians. And Paul is talking to that kind of group when he's talking about works, keeping legalistic kind of understanding. James, on the other hand, is not fighting legalism. He's fighting Christian complacency, which says, now that I am saved, I can do whatever I want to do. So that's the difference between the works that Paul is talking about and what uh, uh, James is talking about. Though they both use the same word, works or deeds, uh, used in two different ways. Uh, Again, Paul is talking more about like circumcision and keeping the Sabbath and everything else. Okay, he's talking about those kind of things that are the looks where James is talking about a lifestyle that a Christian needs to lead. The lifestyle. That a person who believes in Christ needs to lead. And again, Jesus himself says, it's by your fruit. That's how people will know that you are in me, right? It's by your fruit. And Paul's focus is salvation when he talks about, you know, faith alone. What happens to somebody, you know, and how we are saved. Paul talks about salvation as being faith. By faith we are saved. James is talking about what happens when we are saved. 
after that. By faith alone, we are saved. We become believers. And they're not a contradiction. Again, that verse which I quoted earlier was Ephesians 2 verse, uh, verses 8 through 10 actually. For it is by grace that you are saved through faith for a life of good works that God has already prepared for us to do. It's by grace through faith for good works. By grace through faith for good works. We cannot confuse the order right there. We cannot go, you know, it's by faith and uh, through good works. We cannot confuse the way in which these things are done. We got to remember it's by grace, through faith, for good works. And Paul's, like I said, James' emphasis is to show what do I, you know, how does my life show that I'm a real believer? And I've got a few points here when he talks about real faith. Number one, real faith is more than just talk. Real faith is more than just talk. Verse 14, it says, uh, What good is it, my brother, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? And the answer that he wants to get, it's that question he's asking is, can, people, can that faith save him? And the answer is no, right? It doesn't say, and you know, not just someone who talks about his faith. It's not talking about someone who's justified simply because he says, I am a Christian. Because at the end of the day, he knows all the phrases that you have to say, the Christian jargon. And the truth is, if you really evaluate the number of people who claim to be Christians, and I was reading a a recent poll, there's 50 million, around 50 million Americans claim to be born again. That's a big number, actually. 50 million Americans claim to be born again. But my question is, do you really see that in their lifestyle? I don't know. I really don't think I see that. Today, we label people Christians, you know, as soon as they make the first sound or phrase of something that seems Christian, and we say, oh, he must be a believer. Just because he says says something that sounds like a believer. And the truth is, again, I'm reminded of Jesus' words. Not everybody who says what? Lord, Lord, will enter into heaven. Not everybody who just says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. I like what one pastor said. Not, every, not everybody with a Christian bumper sticker is a believer. You know, because you see that fish all over the place sometimes. That what ichthus that the fish. You know what I'm talking about. But not everybody with a Christian bumper sticker is a believer. Not everybody who talks Christianity walks Christianity. That's why I said it's kind of interesting that James brings it out here. If a man claims to have faith but has no deeds, can that really save him? What value is that kind of faith? And he says absolutely nothing. Real faith is not something we just say. It's something we also do and practice. I'm sure you know somebody who claims to be Christian, but there is no evidence in the way he lives his life. And that's not real faith. That's fake faith, as I'd like to say. 
Real faith is more than just talk. Real faith is more than just a feeling. It's more than just a feeling. Verses 15 through 17, he talks about it. Real faith is more than just an emotional high that we have from time to time and then nothing else. Because there are a lot of people who confuse the emotions and sentiment with faith. And I know a number of people and you, you probably know people too who have felt the presence of God, the very real presence of God in a strong way. And they're down at the altar crying and praying. But as soon as they get up and go back, there's nothing that changes. Nothing about their life really changes. And you can go to church and be moved with emotion, but it really doesn't make a difference unless in reality it changes and transforms the way you live your life. That is what real faith is. It's not just having an emotional encounter with God. Verse 15 says, suppose, and he gives this uh, illustration here. Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? What good is it? If you see someone in need and you say, hey, I feel for you. When you say, I feel for you, you have the means and the energy to make a difference, but don't make a difference in that person's life. That faith is useless. And then we come up with our many excuses to not do something. Of why we don't want to help right now. Real faith is more than just being sympathetic towards people. More than just that feeling uh, of, you know, I feel bad for you. It's more than just saying that and feeling that. You've got to do something about it to make it real faith. Real Christians, like I say, real faith takes the initiative to make a difference. Takes the initiative to make a difference. And here's the truth. When you are in tune with the Holy Spirit, that person doesn't have to come up to you and tell you something. When you are in tune with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will guide you to people, in the people, wherever. Maybe in the grocery store, maybe in church, maybe wherever you work. When you are in tune to the Holy Spirit and when you have real faith, God is going to lead you to people to impart into their lives and show them. They don't have to come and tell you what's wrong with their lives. You will automatically know because you're in tune to the Holy Spirit. And then you got to do something about it too. Don't just go around saying, I feel for you and I feel and I sense this if you're not going to really do something about it. Be genuine in your faith. Be real in your faith. And that's what he says. Real faith makes you do something about it, not just feel something about it. And it's kind of interesting. He says, brothers, if a brother or a sister, that's the only time in Scripture he refers, in the Bible, does it ever refer to the ladies as sisters, actually, in the Bible. It's kind of interesting because nowhere else does it. But that's the truth, right? When you come into the body of Christ, we we talk about it being a family. Brothers and sisters, and when we see someone in need, a brother or a sister, we need to reach out. Real faith is generous. It wants to give because God first gave his son. Real faith wants to give. And I ask this question, and I want to challenge you with this. Who can you count on in a crisis? And the other way around. How many people can count on you in their crisis? 
How many people can count on you in the need crisis? How many Christians have the freedom to call you up in the middle of the night just because they need a prayer? Or they need something else? The challenge I have and really bothers me is because the genuineness to have the heart of Christ in our lives is missing in so many churches. Because Jesus says, when he asks you for something, hey, take your shirt, jacket, and give him everything. When he asks you to walk one mile, walk with him that extra mile. Are we willing to do that? Because that's what real, authentic faith is all about. Not just feeling for them. Being like Christ. Going the extra. Just don't talk the talk. Don't just feel the emotions, but do something about it. And let's face the truth is this, because even in my own life, I find verbalizing my faith way easier than practicing my faith. I find verbalizing my faith way easier than really getting down and getting dirty and practicing my faith. And that's the challenge James puts to us this morning. And I realized more than ever before, I cannot meet everybody's need, but I can meet one need and make a difference in someone's life. So don't be overwhelmed. And I feel this. And I'll give the example of Heather and me. Because Heather went to pick up the baby at the orphanage. And she said it, it really moved her. Because it was a room as big as this. And there were rows of just these, uh, these, what do you call them, cribs. And there were just babies lying in those, just rows of them. And she says, I wanted to adopt them all. You know, and it just it broke. I mean, Heather's not an emotional person at all, if you know that. But it moved her so much. And it moved, I mean... You know, and I wish I could do it all. But just because I can't do it to everybody doesn't mean I don't do my part. And I'm not asking you all to go adopt kids or anything of that sort. I'm not saying that. But make a difference in one person's life. Don't be so overwhelmed by, oh, it's not going to make a difference. How do you know? You'll be obedient. God will make a difference. The results are up to God. That's what real faith is about. You do your part in obedience to God. And then God will take care of the. I don't do it for the results. I mean, I want to see. I'll, in my, I'll be honest. In my selfishness, I want to see the good result. But in my heart, I know even if I don't see the fruit of my labor, I know there is a God who will in, take what I have invested and it will bear fruit in His time. And it's for Him to judge that. It's up to you, church. Take that step. And do what God is calling you to do. If my faith doesn't lead me to share with others, there's something wrong with my faith. In the same way, verse 17. In the same way, faith by itself, if, it, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. It's just useless, basically. If I don't feel like helping other Christians or other people in my life, I have a sick faith. (laughs) There's something wrong with my faith. I have a dead faith, James says. He's just laying it on, on the line right there. Do you want real faith? It's more than just talking. It's more than just feeling sympathetic or empathetic. It's doing something. Number three, real faith is more than just an intellectual pursuit. 
It's more than just an intellectual pursuit. It's more than just something that I can get my head and think about and contemplate and just get just keep going on and on and on in my mind. It's not of something that I just study and debate and talk and discuss, you know, and get all that. That's great. But that's not real faith at the end of the day. Because James talks about it in verse 18. It says, he's talking about someone who's basically debating him right there. But some of you, some will say, you have faith, I have deeds. You know, and he's imagining someone who's really intellectual and he's debating with them. Hey, you got faith, I got deeds, you know, or whatever, the other way around. You have faith and I have deeds. And he said, like, okay, you know, whatever floats your boat, basically. That works for you. This works for me. And Paul says, you can't do that. I mean, not Paul. James says, you cannot do that. You cannot say, hey, you know, that works for you. My intellectual pursuit saves me and makes me everything else. But if you don't have deeds to accompany faith, it's really useless. Show me your faith. And it says, show me your faith without deeds. And I will show you my faith by what I do. Show me your faith. I think you need to circle that or highlight that. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by what I do. Real faith is visible. Real faith can be seen. It's evident, clearly evident to those. People don't have to guess whether you are a Christian or not. Because real faith is clear. It's visible. You see some people who call themselves Christians and they talk the talk and they go to church. And, but honestly, you don't know whether they're Christians or not. Only God knows whether they're Christians or not. You know? And people use that as an excuse. I don't have to justify you know, my faith to you. God knows my heart. That's okay, yes, for a new believer. But as you grow older, your faith needs to be visible. We call it to be salt and light. Salt doesn't just influence that one spot where you drop it in. Light doesn't influence that just that one area where the candle burns. Light is evidenced by everybody around it. And that's what we are called to be, the salt and the light of the earth. Evidence, clearly evidence. You can see the difference Christ makes in your life. Show me. Show me and I will show you by my lifestyle. I've used this several times. They say faith is like calories. You can't see them, but you sure see the results of them. I've used that several times. It's true though. You can't see faith, but you can definitely see the results of faith. Because James is saying, you say you're a Christian. He says, prove it. Let your actions back up what you say. Let your actions, let your lifestyle match. Let your walk match your talk. It's clearly evidence you know it's like if I say I believe my health is important and then you come and ask me well do you eat healthy I say no do you exercise I say no do you get proper rest and I say no do you take your vitamins I say no do you go for your yearly checkup and I say no and then what do you conclude is health really important to me it's the same thing with faith It's the same thing with faith. And the truth is, we know when we are in Christ, we are new creations. It's that new. I know it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. But it's that new evident to everybody. That's what real faith is. That newness that's in you. And I always 
again, if you take a paper clip and stick it into, uh, you know what I'm talking, an outlet, you will feel it, but everybody around you will know what's happening too. And in the same way, if that big God is in your life, how can it not affect your life in a way that others will clearly see that he is affecting your life? That's what real faith is. Clearly evidenced by what you do. I really, God, again, think about it. The great creator God who spoke things into existence when he comes into your life. How can he not change your life? When he really comes into your life, how can he not change your life? That's what real faith is. If it doesn't change your life, I mean, James questions your faith right there. Is that even real, what you're doing? Again, real faith is more than just an intellectual pursuit as such. And people... And I, I have to, I have, uh, this is something that i conscious about because I love theology and I love to read so much. You know, and I, I love watching these videos and reading all these kind of different books that inspire me. And, you know, I, you do all that stuff and how much I've studied and how much I've read doesn't really add up to real faith unless. The truth is knowing about it is one thing. Living it is a total different thing. And that's what real faith is. So don't get caught up with reading good books and good theology and debating someone about all this stuff about faith and Christ and everything else. All that stuff is great, but may it show practically in your life too. Don't reduce faith to an intellectual exercise. The fourth one, real faith, is more than just believing. I, live, I always laugh at this point where James comes. Verse 19, you believe that there is God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. He is totally just giving it to them. Because a lot of people who have strong beliefs in God and the Bible and Christ. And honestly, they can probably recite the Bible backwards. And what does James say to them? Good. So what? He's being absolutely sarcastic right there. Good. But what's the big deal about it if you know everything? Just because I believe in God It's not enough. And let me say this carefully and justify and clarify. Belief in God or about God does not justify us getting into heaven. Again, what does he say? The fool, and actually Proverbs says this. The fool says in his heart there is no God. The fool says in his heart there is no God and the devil isn't a fool because he acknowledges God at least. He probably, and I'm sure he knows God better than we know God ourselves. He knows the Bible, I think, better than we know the Bible. But it doesn't make a difference to him, right? It doesn't make anything. Believing in God does not really matter unless we really believe and our lives are changed and transformed by the gospel. Believing in God. The whole idea of believing that is talking about totally committing to him. Totally committing to God, to God, relying totally on Him. Yes, I am a Christian. Yes, I believe in Christ. But head knowledge will never, never, never be enough. Never be enough for us. And what's the saying? A lot of people miss heaven because of 18 inches. We say this all the time. Because they have it here, but they don't know about Christ here. 
He changes this, challenges this, but doesn't change and transform this. And there are going to be a lot of people who miss heaven because of that. I believe in God. Big deal. Everybody believes in God. The devil believes in God and he shudders. Real faith is not just saying, I believe. Not just saying, I believe. Because let's honestly evaluate. Because there are many people who claim to be Christian, claim to be believers. And I ask them, and I've had experienced them, talked with them. Do you, so do you attend church? Somebody's like, well, I go sometimes when I'm not tired. Another one I get, do you donate your time? Are you, do you, are you invested in ministry in the church only when it's convenient? Do you tithe? And then, oh, of course, oh, the church just wants my money. Come on. Is that real faith or is that fake faith? That's not real. Totally invested. Real faith is more than just believing. It's being totally invested in God and in his kingdom. Totally invested in God, in his kingdom. Don't fool yourself into thinking that, okay, I believe in Christ and that's it. That's not real faith. So what is Real faith. According to James, he keeps going. Real faith is something we show or we do. We do. Verse 20. You foolish man. You want evidence that faith without deeds is useless. Again, like I said, he's giving it to them. Giving it to us. Not just them, his readers, but giving it to us too. And he uses two examples right there. He says, he talks about two different people. Because real faith is, like I said, it's an active. It's not passive at all. It's something we commit to doing and showing. And he uses two examples there. And these two examples kind of blow my mind away. Because it's really interesting that he uses these two examples. He uses the examples of Abraham and Rahab. And if you think about it, these are people who are totally opposite from each other. Totally opposite. And he uses this example Abraham, of course, is a man. Rahab is a woman. Abraham's a Jew. Rahab is a Gentile. Abraham is a patriarch, a father of the nation. Rahab is a prostitute. Abraham is somebody. He had wealth and was honored in society. Rahab was a nobody and almost certain that she didn't have money. Otherwise, she wouldn't be a prostitute. She was a nobody and nobody ever thought about her. Just think about it. You're having a city council. You're not going to call... Rahab, who would you call? Abraham. Yet he uses, and I think it's just definitely, you know, Abraham plays such a major character in the Bible. Rahab is barely a one chapter and a little for her. Yet he uses this to spread God's graces so right from there to right of the person who really thinks nothing about themselves too. And he uses them as examples to show us that faith has to be real. doesn't matter what your standing in society is. Doesn't matter how well off you are and how well people know you or how famous you are. It really doesn't matter. You foolish. The one thing that they had in common was their faith in God. You foolish men, do you want evidence of faith without deeds? That faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? His faith And his actions were working together. His faith was made complete by what he did. That's another phrase you need to underline if you're in the habit of underlining or highlighting. It simply says this. His faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. 
It doesn't say he was saved by what he did. It says his faith was made complete by what he did. And that word complete is just absolutely amazing. And I, you'll probably know the geek that I am. I had to go back and look at it in the Greek. And I realized, and it blew my mind away. It's the same exact words that I use when Jesus says, it is finished. Tetelestai, he says there. It is finished. And it's the same exact words that are being used here when he says his faith was complete, finished, matured, perfected by what he did. It blew my mind away. I was just, I'm stupid. I just jumped up and, yes, God. Because it just blew my mind away all of a sudden. What Jesus says, it is finished. He finished it, perfected the work there. And he says, Abraham's faith was made complete by what he did. Think about this church. Chew on that. Perfection in our faith comes by what we do. It is not the reason we are saved, church. But your faith is only half if you don't do something about it. And half is not real. I'll give you half a leather couch and the rest of the half I'll give you fake leather. It's not real. His faith was made perfect. The same word is used to say mature. Same exact words. Maturity. His faith was matured. It's this idea of being finished. And it just blew my mind away. His faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made completed by what he did. And then it goes on to say, that's how scripture was fulfilled. And it said, Abraham believed God. And Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. We always sing, I am a friend of God. We know that song. We sing it once in a while probably. I am a friend of God. You know the evidence of being a friend of God? It's my faith and my actions coming together and completing me. The maturity, that perfection in our lives, in our faith comes by our action. You know the story that he's talking about. Abraham, he's called to sacrifice his son, his one and only son, Isaac. And he calls him to sacrifice that. And Abraham goes. That was the test that God gave him. And Abraham takes his son, you know. But he had that faith. And he talks about it several passages in scripture. He had that faith. He took that word. He took the fire. He got everything ready. Because he had that faith that God knew what he was going to do. And so he did what God did, what God told him to do. Because his faith was made perfect by the way he lived his life. He just didn't say, God, I trust you to give me a son. He knew that God, even if you take the son, you have the ability to bring him back to life. That's how his faith and his actions were combined together to make his faith perfect. And then he was called a friend of God. Just please, again, hear me out. You have... Your deeds and your works don't make you a friend of God. That doesn't save you. The Bible never says that. But if you want real, authentic faith, your faith has to be accompanied by action. Your faith has to be accompanied by the way you live your life. And he does that. Same thing with Rahab. What did she do in the midst of all that was happening in Jericho? What she did, she put her faith into practice and hid those spies. And because of that, we see the blessing that God gives her all the way in the New Testament. That she is one of the three women mentioned in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Faith in action. Faith in action. Let me say this. Faith in action is evidence of your salvation. Faith in action also 
produces real fruit. Real fruit. Our faith is demonstrated, evidenced by what we do. You say, I believe in Jesus, and I'll ask you the question, prove it to me by the way you live your life. I believe in him. I'm a believer. Prove it to me by showing me what's the priority in your life. Prove it to me by saying, not just saying, but doing, not just talking, but walking. Because we know the phrase, actions speak way louder than words. You say you believe Christ. Show it to me by the way you live your life. As I end, I want to challenge you in this conclusion to ask yourself the question, am I living a life of real faith? Am I living a life of real faith, especially in the light of what he's talking about right here? Especially in the light and the context of what James is talking about, having real faith, being a real Christian, an authentic, genuine Christian, because people are fed up of fake. Are we living lives like that? It's more than just talk, friends. It's more than just believing. It's more than just reading all these big books and having an intellectual discourse. It's more than just believing, yes, there is a God. It's about living your life for Christ. Living, active, evidence, clearly evidence life. That's the evidence of salvation. Bow your heads with me at this time. The challenge is simple. I said it a little while earlier. In this context, you say you are a Christian. Prove it. Show me by your life that you really have real faith. Please, don't ever get into... I'm not suggesting for one minute the Bible never suggested that your good works will get you into heaven. But let me tell you, your good works perfect the sal- perfect your faith. You can't have, like I said. You stick your hand in the socket and guess what's going to happen. It's pretty clear. You can't claim to have this great God in your life and your life not be changed. You may be a good person. You may have gone to church. You may pay your tithes and support missions. and You may know even several scriptures and memorize several parts of the Bible. But if that does not translate into your everyday life, that is not real. That's what, Paul, um, that's what James is saying right there. Let me push you and challenge you to consider that your outward actions are a clear evidence of your faith. And at the same time, let me push it a little further. Because we need to make sure that our attitudes also need to match our faith. Because we can fake actions and everybody else will say, hey, well done, what a great guy, what an amazing believer, man of God, woman of God. But let your attitude also match up with the faith you profess. 
It is by grace alone, through faith that we are saved for good works. God's grace just reaches down to each one of us. We come just the way we are, but His grace gets a hold of our lives. And as a pastor and your pastor, there's nothing I want more than for you to grow in your faith. But as you grow in your faith, I want it to be clearly evidenced by the things you do, by the things you say. Because that is real faith. You don't have to do it for me. You don't have to do it for anybody else. It's between you and God. Because you can fool me, you can fool everybody else, but you can never fool God. If you're struggling and asking yourself the question, do I have real faith? I want to challenge you again. Encourage you, not challenge you, encourage you. Because if you know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you've taken that first step. That salvation, accepting Him into your life, that salvation. But the evidence is in a transformed lifestyle. In a transformed lifestyle. Let's all stand to our feet as we worship God this morning.